Good evening and welcome along to the Three Amigos FBL podcast. I'm the Marple Curse and I'm joined today by my amigo Mars, who you can find on Twitter at Mars05, and Kylie, who you can find at KylieFPL. Make sure you're following our group account at Three Amigos FPL. In this Getting to Know You mini-series, we've interviewed FBL managers from all over the world as it's our mission to let our listeners get to know the person behind the FBL accounts we interact with each week. To do that, we've come up with 20 questions which will reveal exactly who they are. With the Amigos now, we have Peter, who you should all know and love, from Twitter at MattSafe underscore FBL and from his fantastic blog, mathematicallysafe.wordpress.com. Pete, you're very welcome to the show. Are you ready to bear your soul to the FBL community? Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, yes, I think so. I mean, uh, well, I suppose, I suppose the question is, are you ready for me to bear my soul? Because <laughs> you, you, you know, I'm quite sure what's going to come out of this, don't you? This, this, this <laughs> could, yeah, it, it's always the people you least <laughs> expect to be, you know, scary individuals, Pete. We'll, we'll look forward now to see what you're going to reveal. But um, it's always interesting to see how what people answer that question when they say, are you ready to bear your soul? And they're kind of, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> It always sounds a little threatening. It does, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Not joining the cult. But uh, tell us, Pete, we'll start off with this one. Um, So describe yourself for us in three words. Yeah, I I saw this question come through, and I think the fact fact I have no idea how to answer it and really struggle to probably tells you all you need to know about me as a character, I probably thought. Um, The words I came up with in the end were overanalyzing everything. Because <laughs> well, that's, that's literally what I do. <laughs> that works well for you, though. Yeah, uh, it, definitely, it definitely does. Yeah, since you're so much into your analytics, like. Yeah. Uh, well, yes. I mean, I'm a, a data analyst by trade, and um, my, my principal hobby outside, obviously, is is FPL, which is all basically about analysing numbers and trying to find analysing games, analysing the numbers behind the games. So yeah, it's just uh, there's that part of my brain that just won't switch off, <laughs> just continuously picking holes in everything, <laughs> everything I can find. Yeah, I find it really interesting how people's, you know, different roles and, and what they do can have an influence on, on how they are in FPL. Um, so in your case, you're a data analyst and then obviously as a hobby, you're deep diving into data. And I think you see it quite often where you're not in the least surprised when you find out what, what some people do, you know, in, in day mode, I suppose. I suppose it's, it's almost uh, tail wagging the dog in some instances. And for me, it's I, I guess I play FPL because I mean I've always been a fan of football, but it, it's just that that part of my brain that's engaged for most of the day. This this is actually quite a good outlet for it. I suppose it was either this or professional gambling, and I'm just way too risk averse for that. So it, it's, it's a game. Which, Probably the better option. <laughs> yeah, precisely. But I, I think it's more of a you know I. I suppose a game shows me because of who I am rather than I, I started off playing FPL and then I'm going to data. It's probably the other way around. Just before we move on to the second one, we might just um, see if, Pete, we might do a bit of a sound check with you there. Are we sure it's not Mars lurking in the background? He's not on, Making I don't think yet. <laughs> Hello. Oh, I thought I saw something. Yeah, he is. I knew he was. I heard something like birds chirping. I don't know if somebody has. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, actually, that might be. Yeah, actually, name. It's just background noise to me, but um, yeah, that might have been the budgie. Let me let me move the budgie <laughs> into the kitchen. Um, 
we'll do that. I have to leave that part in now since the budgie is involved. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, so question number two. Where do you live and what do you do currently in work? Well, you've already answered part two of that, but um, so where are you based and I guess is there anything else interesting that you'd like to tell us in terms of your yeah. job? Um, so, well, I live in uh, Bedfordshire in, in England, so round, uh, it's a town called Leighton Buzzard. Which is uh, was quite nice. About on the train, it's about thirty minutes into London. Uh, I tend to work most of the time in London, uh, down in London Bridgeway, but so I have to I travel a bit as well. So bumps up in Bristol a bit, and uh, sometimes in Leeds as well. Um, nothing desperately else interesting about the job. Um, been doing it about <laughs> been doing it about twelve months or so, and uh, yeah, just get get some experience, get, get some good experience with it. Hey Pete, how you doing? Um, so, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Yeah, ecstatic at the moment. <laughs> yeah, um, you. yeah, yeah, not bad at all. Uh, so, tell us, how and when did you first get into FPL and football in general? Uh, well, the football came first, uh, definitely. I'm uh, the, the first game of football I, I ever watched was the opening game, uh, Cameroon against Argentina of Italia '90. Where Cameroon beat the reigning world champions, Argentina, and I don't know, just sort of just got carried away a bit in the way that sort of a World Cup can just sort of capture somebody's imagination. Especially, I, I was uh, I was young at the time. I was uh, I was about seven I was at the time, and it was there was about a holiday, a family holiday, into interspersed a bit as well. So I had these sort of weird memories of uh, being in a caravan watching. Um, England against Holland, and there's been a couple of disallowed goals and random things like that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I do seem to remember just watching as many games as I could, and then after that, it was a case of right, okay, what happens now? Oh, there's club football as well. Right, okay, well, let's let's start following that. And I, I got into it, I suppose <laughs> pretty quickly actually. Um, and so that was 1990. I suppose the the fantasy football element probably came in. I remember playing. In some point in school slash college, probably college actually, at the back of the, the Telegraph newspaper, and you'd, you'd buy it on a Wednesday, and there'd be a big list of players in the back of it. And um, me and my friends played it, and I think I, I was the I was the gatekeeper, I, I was the guardian of the um, of the spreadsheet where I recorded all the scores. And yeah, we we, we we kind of operated by the rules, but we didn't actually phone in our teams; we just played it between ourselves and that. And I guess from there we, we probably we sort of transitioned into FPL at some point. I don't really remember when because you know, university happened and things like that. And none of us were we weren't particularly serious players. It was mostly just conversations for uh, you know hanging out in each other's houses and then later in the pub as well. And yeah, I remember playing it. And I remember having a team at uni, but it obviously wasn't that serious. And. I think I won our mini league a couple of times, came second a couple of times, and yeah, average sort of stuff. And I suppose at some point we sort of fell away from it all a little bit. Probably about 2007, I think, when we all started to you know, probably full-time jobs and uh, move, moving away and uh, yeah, eating and all that kind of stuff. And so we, I sort of stopped playing for a few years, and then about well four seasons ago, so it was the start of the 2014-15 season, I. Uh, I was in 
didn't work and it was a couple of days about a couple of days before the season started and so yeah people started talking about fancy football and I was it'd been in the back of my mind thinking oh yes yeah, quite quite miss playing actually I'd like to do that again and I found out there was a works league and yeah mate of mine challenged me he said yeah I'll bet 25 quid I can beat you and I was like okay got no chance um so I picked yeah put put a team together then and uh, just try to get back into it again really and yeah I, I really did get back into that season and obviously it helped sitting that yeah sitting with with people in the office who were who were playing and talking about it and stuff um the end and obviously by this point i was i was into sort of, I, I was i was a data analyst by this point and i was yeah working with numbers all the time and uh realizing their their power when you analyze them on mass and so at the end of the season i, I did a, a data poll of all the data from the FPL website. I was using Fantasy Football Scout as well and using the Optidata behind that. And I started looking at the uh, the correlations between the two numbers and yeah, trying to find that. Trying to, u- trying to use the numbers to see, okay, I, past performances and relative to future performance uh, in all cases, um, but just trying to find that that edge and you know, trying to see if, uh, what I could do to, to, to help myself out. And really it's all I just took off from there. I think in parallel to that, I had a few other ideas as well around uh, just general um, football analysis I wanted to do. So there was ideas like, you know, does does distance travelled for away games affect performance, and uh, you know, which teams in the country were committing or were attracting the most fouls, which ones were being picked on the most. Just these little like, ideas I couldn't quite get out of my head, so I just started a blog about it. Um, but then FPL sort of slowly took over that because ultimately I started getting a lot more data around it and after two seasons worth of data I really started blogging about it properly and uh, yeah it sort of took off from there and then I got involved in Twitter and yeah here we are now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's um it's I always find it really really interesting um the data side of things the I have actually tried myself to do things like predicting for instance um you know the 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 fixtures that are good for defenders versus midfielders versus forwards based on you know sim- simply just even looking at the FPL points who scores the points against which teams um I've yeah. done work in the past on that I do find it really interesting to see if you can predict patterns and kind of see see things before they're going to happen and uh, I guess giving yourself a little bit of a leg up on um, on the opposition but um, I, I do love uh, and I know you'd be a lot better at obviously as it's your day job at, um, at crunching the numbers and uh, I do really enjoy your uh, your posts always on Mathematically Safe um, they're they're hev- they're heavy duty, but um, I always find them um, re- I always find them a lot more a lot more interesting than most of the kind of uh, the analysis pieces that you you see on the uh, in the community. As much as people do a great job and stuff, I do I do definitely you can see your professionalism coming through in your writing. Um, so uh, tell us, Pete, what is your um, highest ever fi- finish in FPL? Like, um, how high have you finished up in the overall rankings? Uh, so 2016 to 2017, so season four last, uh, finished uh, 15,893. Uh, that was that was my highest total. Uh, I, I, love I, that that can, I love that you can remember the three part at the end as well. No, no, I, I, I researched it before I came on. Live. He absolutely. That three is important. It's much better than if it was, you know, an eight or a nine. That's an extra few people that you finished ahead. I'm, ta- I'm, ta- I'm taking it definitely. I'm definitely taking credit for all of that. So yeah, uh, yeah, that, that that was achieved on the last day, uh, and I, I remember it distinctly because it was that game week 38 where everything seemed to go mental um, right at the very end, and 
it came off the back of a Kane scoring seven goals in, in a week, basically, I think, against a load of, a load of teams. And suddenly, like, everybody I had in my team just started scoring, and it's just it was goals going in everywhere. And uh, I, I managed to climb from about 50k up to 15,000 just on the last day. And it, it was brilliant. It was such a good day. It was just um, yeah, it was amazing from an FPL perspective for sure. Was, yeah. Everyone was just like loving life. Why is every week not like this? It was just chaos. It was absolute chaos. It was just, yeah, on Twitter as well. Just everything was kicking off. It was great. I really enjoyed it. So. All right. So next question. Tell us, what is your best FPL memory? Uh, it, this is an interesting one because I've, I've seen people on Twitter before that, you know, um, who can sort of recall way back into the annals of sort of like, oh, okay, do you remember that game week in 2012 when Robin Van Persie scored? So I'm like, I've got no idea. I've got absolutely, yeah, quite short term. I can't remember who was in my team at the end of last season now. Um, I can probably hazard a guess at a few players, but I, I can't, it, once it's done, it's done. So the, there's a few things that sort of stick out in my mind, um, but I don't have like instant recall of everything. But I think the again, this is something I researched. I don't, you know, um, I, I, I looked at the dates and stuff, but it was the uh, Monday, the 18th of December in 2017, uh, just before the Christmas uh, fixtures start kicking off. And Everton were 1-0 down at home to Swansea, and two minutes into uh, added time at the end of the first half, they got a penalty. And I had Lucas Fabianski, who saved the penalty, and I also had Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who scored the follow-up. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I don't think I've ever been so happy watching a football match. It was just, it, it was just glorious. I mean, you, you're watching it and thinking, oh, I, I, yeah, oh, I need, I need the Fabianski clean sheet. Oh, guys, I'm a threat now. Oh, okay, I, really, I just hope he saves it. And he saved it. I was like, great, oh, brilliant. So yeah. And then in a the split second, it went in. I was like, oh, oh, okay, at least let's mitigate the clean sheet. And then I saw it was Calvert Lewin, and it was just one of those. Yeah, you know, it, it was jammy. There's no doubt about it. But I thought I, I apologise for nothing. Um, I was having a rotten. Life up to that point as well so that that was one memory that really stuck out do you know what was mad i remember i remember um on twitter at the time some person i like i have no idea i think it was just uh not kind of a a sort of well-known account but someone had tweeted earlier that day or something to the effect that you know, I have Calvert-Lewin and Fabianski and my game week has been terrible and I need Fabianski to, like, take it, save a penalty and then for Calvert-Lewin to, like, you know, get it in on the rebound or something. And I think did a lot of people own Rooney at that time because I think Rooney might have taken it. And so it was this whole, you know, Rooney takes it. So lots of people lose points that way. And then Fabianski saves it. And then I get a, you know, a goal on the rebound. That would be so amazing. And then it was just like retweeted everywhere after the the fact. Now you mentioned mentioned that. I do remember that happening, actually. It it probably was one of those questions that the official account asked, what would you, what would be your ultimate uh, outcome in this? And, you know, and people come up with some outlandish outcome like a, a hat trick for such and such, and uh, and someone a defender to uh, play until the 60th minute, 61st minute, come off, and then the other the striker to score four or something. You know what I mean? Something random. Um, but uh, it's lovely when they come off beat. That's a great they, memory. They are indeed. 
So, Pete, what is it that you like most about the game and what is it that you dislike the most? I think, as, as strange as this sounds, I think a lot of the things I dislike about the game are the things that keep me coming back to the game. It's, it's mostly... I, I find it really frustrating that it's not something I can I haven't cracked yet. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, I, I feel like it's yeah. You keep trying, keep trying, and you're so it doesn't matter what you do. You still you are still very beholden to luck uh, around what happens, and that really it kind of frustrates me, especially when it goes against you. So you think that there's nothing I can do about this. I've, I've I've had a 50-50 call on a captain, and it's gone the other way, and it's really frustrating. Um. But it's it, there's something about there's something in that which makes it addictive somehow, and it's it's almost like these elements of luck. And actually, it's kind of the other things that frustrate some people, like you know, um, like the captaincy, for example. There's so so much emphasis is placed on captaincy because you you absolutely have to get it right. Because uh, if, if you get it wrong, you're only ever going to have an average game week. If you get it right, it doesn't matter what rest of your players are doing, you can always push up then into into a decent game week or even better game week if you want to as well. And so it's it, 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 it's kind of it's kind of weighted. It, it's, it's not as it's not as evenly distributed, I think, as some other fantasy games are out there. Like the Sky One, for example, there's more points available for passing and you know, tackles and things like that. It's a lot more narrow, I think, in its scope. So you kind of have to agonise over decisions a lot more. You're more beholden to luck in in that way. Whereas in the other games, yeah, I think you can, you can spend a bit more time uh, over, over the course of the season thinking, well, OK, my cap hasn't come off, but it's OK. So I'm, in, I'm gaining incrementally elsewhere. I'm getting these other players just ticking over points and yeah, keep ticking over, keep ticking over. I'm going to move up and it's going to be OK in the end. Whereas FPL, you, you need those... Uh, spikes, if you like, you, you, you need one, one or two players to absolutely kick off when you've got them as captain, uh, and you need somebody else to fail because you know the highly owned us. Well, it, it feels like it's a bit more amplified in the FPL game, and it's probably why it's so popular. Because I mean, I've tried, I've tried the Sky game, and uh, yeah, I, I play, I play in draft league, one of the other draft games. And I really enjoy that, but it's nowhere. It doesn't occupy as much of your headspace, you know. As, as, as FPL does because you you feel like you really have to get it right and the, the pressure seems higher somehow and so I dislike that about it because it takes up so much of my headspace but I, I really like it at the same time and it's quite what keeps, keeps me coming back to it I think that's a great answer actually things are uh, amplified the the joy the joys and the pains are amplified um but uh tell us yeah. if um if you were the boss at fpl for one day and you could actually change one feature about it or run rule about it what would you go for i think uh, when, when i started thinking about this i was going to say captaincy because yeah for, for the reasons i just said it is because it it, it it's too it's almost too important and you kind of have to get it right. But again, I think it's, it's something that we actually, yeah, it's something we actually enjoy anyway. So, yeah, the, the bonus points I think a lot of people have problems with as well. And I, I think arguably, I, I, logically, I think it makes sense to, it would make sense just to ditch bonus points overall, and then just yeah, have more points available for defenders and for defensive fielders, and have a more even game. But again, I, I, th- I think this FPL game would lose something somehow. It, it would lose. It sounds counterintuitive, but like I just mentioned, I think there's I think there's something in that almost inequality of how points go are distributed that actually uh, magnifies everything a bit more. So I'm not sure as frustrated as people are, 
it's yeah, the controversy I think is what keeps people coming back, keeps them talking. So I'm not actually sure I'd change anything, if, if, if I'm honest. I mean, the, the fact is that it's there's a lot of fancy games out there, but this one is frequented by how million million people it is. It's obviously got something which people enjoy. So I'm not sure I'd change anything about the actual rules of the game, to be honest. Just just keep keep going with it, really. I think the website. Uh, if, if I could change anything, it'd probably be the website. I think that that, that could be better, considering that yeah, you've got six million people playing it. I don't know. There's players with two teams or whatever, but let's say for argument's sake, by the end of the season, you're going to have let's say two and a half million dedicated players. There's still a lot of people coming to a website at least once a week committed. I thought yeah, the Premier yeah, they're, they're doing work. The Premier League are doing work, obviously around the you know, the online TV shows and stuff like that. But there's not really I'm sure they could do more to make you stick on the website a little bit more. You know, things like uh, profiles or something like that. Yeah. So yeah, this is who I am. Okay, I'm Pete. I live in Leighton Buzzard. How many people within a five-mile radius of me are playing the game? And yeah, is there chat functionality? So yeah, because I've I've met people offline. Yeah, and yeah, just through Twitter. Yeah, gone to yeah, gone to pubs to meet people. And um, yeah, form friendships through uh, FBL. It's really, it's really good and. I imagine a lot of people are in it for like mini leaks, and they're probably not interested in that. But I still think they're missing a trick um, to actually get people more engaged on their website. So if I was, and to make it a better all-round experience for all of us, really. But so they could probably yeah t- take probably more ownership yeah of the um, of where the social discussions going on. So actually have forums and have, but then they know there's the added, um, you know, the added moderation that's needed on them things and stuff like that. But yeah, to take it off Twitter and probably bring it into their own forum. One thing I think they could actually use on the website is if they had maybe highlights, if they had where you click on a player and you can actually watch a series of highlights from their games, you know, you know, where they show clips of goals or passes or whatever, Anthony at all. Um, I know similarly when I uh, I do play the NFL fantasy game and that's one thing that when you click on a player you can see um, news that's happened for that player in recent time but also you can see video clips where you can actually watch plays that they've done and things so um, I think that that could be something they could add definitely down the line I'm not, I'm not saying any of it I'm not saying it's essential I'm, I'm almost saying I'm it's just an add-on yeah. Yeah, I'm, surprised, I'm almost surprised they haven't done it considering yeah it's a game that's given away for free and they make obviously they have to make the money through you know, for engagement. The, the data we provide them is valuable to them. So they you know, obviously learn about us and advertising uh, is there as well. I just think I'm, I'm surprised they're not doing more with it, considering they've, they've got such a captive audience um, for for a lot of us. I mean, maybe I'm in the Twitter bubble here and thinking everybody thinks about fantasy the same way I do. Well, obviously they don't. I think. I think there's something, yeah, I think they could be doing something more. Well, speaking in terms of day jobs, my ex-day job was actually in fan engagement, and that was part of the thing is clubs wanting to have their own platforms where, because you share content on social media and it becomes the property of that social media platform. It's not the property of the club anymore. A lot of the time, like if you have links to a site, it's not going to work. But if you actually have, as you mentioned, an audience of people who are going to be going to a website, um, if you want to just try to keep them on it, you could put your content on there. And if you do actually have the traffic already, it's um, it's kind of a no-brainer. But um, I would imagine it's something they will definitely look at um, down the line, as all of the clubs in the Premier League are doing that themselves. So the it only makes sense that the governing body would too. Okay, so next question. Uh, describe yourself as an FPL manager in three words. 
so I I looked up um, that there was a, a couple of pieces of work done probably about a year ago around the, the biases, and I, I, I was thinking about the type of how I play the game and what I think my weaknesses are as a player. And there's uh, there's a bias called the endowment effect, which is where you effectively place a, a higher value on the players that you own, and you're kind of scared of getting rid of them because you're worried that you know, if I sell them now, they're going to go ahead. I'm going to feel really bad when when I miss out on the points and arguably if you're looking at two players side by side objectively you'd say one is better than the other but because you own the other one you're scared you don't want to get rid of them you're not sure it's worth the risk and you end up holding on to playing players for too long that's definitely something i do so i would describe myself i would i would say the endowment effect are the three words that describe my fpl playing uh probably that probably best and uh something i i'm not particularly happy with what I do <laughs> around that as well. I feel like I could do that part better. I think I, I think it's okay being cautious. I think it's okay being methodical with what you do, but uh, sooner or later you need to roll the dice a little bit. I don't think I do that enough, to be honest. Yeah, I do definitely think that's like that's an issue. And you're right, in isolation, if you're looking at this player and they're not in your team, you know, if that's probably not someone that you would be thinking about bringing in if they weren't in your team, but because they're already de- there, there's this sort of fear associated with getting rid of them. And yeah. so often, I, I guess it's it's whether you can override that, you know, mm. is the helpful thing, but it's, it's absolutely something I've experienced loads of times as well, where I've just sort of thought, oh, well, no, I'll keep them because what if? But there's so many what ifs in this game, and, yeah. and separating yourself from that can be really challenging at times, especially if it's a, a player that you know has been successful, or maybe you've had personal success with it as well. So, you know, it's a tricky one for sure. I know, I know there's people who go the other way, and they, they can't they wait can't wait to get rid of a player because they're attracted by the new shiny thing. Which I suppose this week would be Edin Hazard. So there's people selling. Yeah, tens of thousands of people selling Mo Salah. You know, he, he's still Mo Salah. He's still, you know, he's still the player he was last season, and he still has the ability to go and score two or three goals in a game. Uh, Liverpool still have the ability to roll over Southampton. So what, why are they being sold? So there, there's a lot of people who are, are doing that so attractive on shiny thing. At the same time, I'm holding on to Mo Salah at the moment because I'm thinking because I've just done that, I'm placing more value on him at the moment than, than I would on somebody else for half his price. You know, I, I, I could I could sell Salah, bring in Ryan Fraser. Ryan Fraser's stats are nowhere near half as bad as most Salahs are at the moment. They're probably arguably better. He's half the cost. So why am I holding on to Salah? It's that fear that he's going to do something. So it's, yeah, I, I, I think I, I, need, I, I would arguably say I need to find a better balance in how I approach it. I think I need a little bit more risk. Not, not, not the risk I just mentioned there, but that was kind of an exaggerated effect. But it's... That people definitely have biases and they definitely affect how we play the game and it's just trying to be conscious of them um, and trying to override them as much as you can as well. Uh, so Pete, what is your target each uh, season in FPL and um, do you have a mini league that you play with that you you know aim to win? Uh, I've got uh, a couple of people who I play against, not necessarily that mini league because as long as I beat those people though I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Um, realistically, my objective is to, it's all about overall rank and it's to try and beat my personal best overall rank. Um, mentioned 
mentioned earlier, it's about 15 odd k uh, a couple of years ago. I think in the in the four, yeah, it, I've done four seasons now uh, since I started playing again sort of seriously. Um, last year was the first time I hadn't beat my own my best overall rank. I finished at 100k last year. Um, but that's the that that's always the objective. It's to try and you know ultimately crack into the top ten thousand, I think, which I think is a pretty common one. But I think if I can beat my personal best, I'm happy. Good stuff, Pete. And uh, tell us, we all have our different routines that we do before every game week. But um, what is the thing you must do before each deadline? Is there uh, like a blog, or is there any particular data you look at, um, or maybe listen to any Three Amigos podcast? Um, obviously listen to the Three Amigos podcast. Um, I, I think the, the the one thing I will always do is uh, over a weekend, uh, either on Saturday or Sunday nights, probably on both actually, uh, for most weeks. But uh, I'll always look at um, the chalkboards on whoscored.com, so it just gives you a good indication of um, you know, how, you know, where where shots are coming from, how many shots the team's having, what, who's, which players are taking the shots, you know, what where the average touches are from certain players. Uh, I've also got underlying, particular underlying stats and tables which I use to try and yeah, I, yeah surface and identify players I'm, I'm interested in. Um, and so, sort of a combination of that will sort of help me identify you know, targets for the next few weeks. It's almost like a, a, a watch list in my head sort of, you know, of where I potentially want to go. Um, and then after that, really it depends on whatever shape my team's in. I'll, I'll look at the upcoming fixtures, and I'll, I'll look at my team, and I'll, I'll try and identify where the, you know, where the biggest weakness is, uh, whether it's a transfer I need to make this week or not. And after that, I mean, re- re- probably sort of three in every four weeks. It's, it's kind of obvious what I'm going to do. It, I, I know I, I've got clear and obvious weakness in my side if somebody's got injured or suspended or they're not playing well. And there's only really only a couple of options that you want to bring in, so it doesn't take a lot of research after that. It's it's when you've got a a, a difficult decision to make. I mean, the, this week at the moment, for example, I don't really know what I'm going to do. I'll probably end up rolling the transfer, but at the same time, I've, there's a few weaknesses in my sky, side which I, I think in, you know, I may want to look into. But I'm not really keep, I'm not really clear on who I want to take out either. So at that point, that's when I start you know, doing a bit more uh, research and that. Usually involves you know, conversations on Twitter. I'll, I will listen to podcasts. Um, if I'm really, really sort of trying to research a player, if I've got a really, really tough 50-50 decision to make, I'll spend a bit of time on you know, club-specific bloggers and uh, local journalists, see what they're saying uh, about you know, how the team's playing. Uh, obviously, watch the highlights and match of the day and that. Uh, and then try and leave on the transfer as late as possible and then as the weekend rolls around just keep an eye on the press conferences but there's, there's a couple of good Twitter accounts at the moment which are doing sort of digests of the uh, of the press conferences so I usually just default to them to see what's going on um, if after all that I still don't know what I'm going to do in my transfer it's you know, just a coin basically um, because you know, there's only so much research you can do yeah definitely and actually the next question sort of ties in with that a little bit so um, when it comes to choosing your captain and deciding on transfers, how and when do you usually do that? So you said you try and leave your transfers as late as possible, but what about your captain? Would you decide on that quite early or would you leave it to the last minute? I think, I think it, it's, it, it kind of comes under the same conversation about sort of just when you assess your team uh, and, and what you want to do with it really for, for the coming week. And I've usually got a pretty good idea by... Yeah, by the time the games are finished, 
much about what I want to be doing. Um, I'll, sp- I'll definitely spend more time thinking about transfers because if you bring a player in, you- you've got to think about bringing a player in for the long term. You've got to assume that they're going to be in your team for a good you know, eight to ten weeks minimum. Uh, so you need to make sure you get that one right. I think captain options, realistically, there's never there's never really that many. Yeah, there's usually just a big hit as a player with explosive potential, and you kind of look at what their fixtures are. Yeah, you know if they're in form or if they're not. If they're not in form, they're probably already leaving the team anyway. So in some cases, you've got a bit of a 50-50 shout, so it's worth doing a little bit more research to see just how they're playing. But I suppose the captain one, isn't, it's not one I spend too long on generally because... I mean, like, yeah, last weekend, uh, yeah, there's Aguero and Hazard. I had, I had both Aguero and Hazard. And you can drive yourself mad with the stats, and you end up sort of going looking for a stat that's going to confirm what you want it to say. In reality, you've got both of them in your team. They're both good options. And on any given game week against any given team, either one of them can fire. Any, either one of them can go and score a hat trick. So it doesn't matter how much research you do. Do. I mean, ultimately, a luck's going to play a big part of that. So, I mean, just having both of them is kind of enough, really. So, yeah, at that point, I'll spend less time thinking about that and probably go a little bit more gut instinct um, in in those cases. But that doesn't happen very often. More often than not, I kind of know who my captain's going to be. So, it's it's captaincy is definitely something I think less about, I think, than just what overall transfer I'm going to make. So, Pete, I know you're a nice guy. But you must have players that you absolutely hate, or they troll you, or whatever the word is. <laughs> For example, there's no way Troy Deeney is making it into my team again. I don't care how well he's done for Watford. I don't care how well he's doing. You know, he came across all right on Monday Night Football, but he ain't making it into my team. Troy Deeney ever done to you? Oh, I captained him twice last season or something, or season before, and like absolute two, you know, um, plumb games at home and did absolute nothing. To, to be fair, that sounds like your fault, Yeah. That does not sound like it's his fault at all. <laughs> so, do you have any no-go players teams or hold grudges towards the uh, players like I do? <laughs> mm, tend, tend not to have grudges against particular players. Um, there's definitely... There's definitely players who I've had experience of in the past and think I, I don't particularly rate them. Uh, that's quite great. They have potential to do all right every now and then. I suppose the one that's raised my mind would be Theo Walcott. Um, I've probably got a little bit of a, a bias against him because I think, well, I don't actually rate him as a player, but it's not a bias against him. And I, I, I did have him in my team at some point last season, so uh, that's not really it. Um, I think with regards to teams, if... Um, if the MK Dons ever made it to the Premier League, I would not be picking their players, just on principle. In fact, I, I I wouldn't care what it did to my rank. I'm not even sure I'd play the game. I might even leave the country at that point. I'm not going near their players. Um, that's <laughs> probably as close as I get though, to out and out hatred of any one institution. <laughs> yeah, it's it's handy when the when the rivalry is a team that probably isn't going to be a, a Champions League kind of a attacking flair stunning team like when it's going to be the MP, MK Dons you'll probably be safe enough for a few years Pete I, I um, think if, if, if MK Dons are an attractive top level Premier League team I think that's one of the signs of the apocalypse I think we're all in trouble at that point <laughs> <laughs> and um, I know you're not a Premier League um, 
I know you're not a fan, actually. You know what? We'll just leave. We'll skip 13, okay? And I'll move on to 14 because uh, that one is basically yeah, to do with rival. Yeah, don't mind. Um, Pete, actually, I'll leave a little gap. Sorry now, myself. Pete, this one I actually is one of my favorite questions that we ask our guests. So, um, what do you like best about being part of the FPL community? I think probably, I think perspective that it, it, it can help you. I think that there can be a lot of noise out there. I think it's, there, there, there's a lot of accounts out there, but there's a lot of very, very knowledgeable people out there about knowledgeable about football, um, all aspects of football as well. And they're genuinely just very, very nice people that just want to have a conversation. And it's, it's, really, it's really good because we're all playing the same game and it's, uh, there's not really any. I think if you get involved in the right conversation, certainly, but there's not really any gloating very often. People celebrate their win, obviously, when they do well, when they get you know, frustrated, when they do badly, but it's never sort of like, ha ha, I told you. Well, there is a lot of ha ha, I told you so, but you're trying to avoid those people as much as possible. But generally speaking, the people I talk to are great. And yeah, I've met a few of them in real life as well. And they've all just been really, really nice people, and the the perspective they can give you on your team, and just yeah, understanding you know, what they're doing, how they're thinking. Oftentimes, they will give you uh, a way of thinking about things which you hadn't necessarily considered uh, moving into that game week uh, around a particular player, and that kind of thing's quite valuable. I mean, you can read you can read all you want, you can look at all the stats, you want to watch as many games as you want, but the fact is if, if if you have a conversation with somebody who sees the world in a slightly different way to you do, that can be incredibly helpful. And I've, I've had conversations like that on Twitter, which I've, I've really enjoyed. So that for me is, that's, I suppose that's the best thing about the community, because those aren't really conversations I have in real life either, um, on a day-to-day basis. Um, they are, it's kind, of, it's kind of its own little world where you can sort of indulge this hobby, which I, which I really like. Absolutely. Okay, so if you could pick one player, past or present, for your FPL team, who would that be? Uh, I'm, well, I'm a Northampton fan, so I mean, to hell with it. I'm bringing Ian Sampson. He's a club legend with us for about 11 years. Massive. Who's back. that? Shut up. <laughs> Um, <laughs> big sense about, he, he, he would he would be a bonus points magnet in the game. He you know, won every tackle, every header coming in, clearances, interceptions, blocks, absolute legend. Threat from set pieces as well. He get you a couple of goals in the season. Um, that's uh, I I I'd bring him in and I I'd probably I'd probably would captain him every week as well. <laughs> sounds like you describe sounds like you describe me on a Sunday five aside football. Thanks Pete, appreciate it. Well, no worries. I'll, I'll, I'll put you I'll use my vice captain. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now let's step away from from football and FPL for a bit and uh, get a bit more personal. So tell us, uh, what's your favourite meal and favourite drink? Favourite meal probably be something Mexican. I would thought probably enchiladas, burrito, something along those lines. Um, a good, a good proper. Chili as well would be good. Um, vegetarian, oh. actually, to be fair. So it's, it's so it's Pedro. 
It's Pedro now, not Pete. Yes, absolutely. That my my pasty white complexion uh, lends itself to, to uh, an adopted name like Pedro. Are you vegetarian? Uh, yes, yes, I am. Uh, well, ah, so am I. I suppose pescatarian. I'll, I'll have fish probably. Once ah, you're one of those yeah. pretend for vegetarians. <laughs> yeah, basically, I'm not. I'm not militant about these things um, by any stretch of the imagination. But uh, yeah, just trying, just trying to lead a healthier lifestyle. Uh, favorite drink? Uh, I say, I say, oh yeah, I'm, I'm trying to lead a healthier lifestyle. My favorite drink is a whiskey. Uh, it's a Glen Morangi Quinta Reuben, which is like I, I, I do, I, I enjoy whiskey, and that's uh, that, that, that's the one that I always, I'll always make sure I've got a bottle of that uh, in the house somewhere. Neat or on the rocks? In the kitchen where it's supposed to be. I'm not not hiding yeah, bottles. <laughs> not holding it in strange places. <laughs> yeah. Is, is, is that neat or on the rocks? No, neat, definitely. Oh, uh, yeah. Wow. Hardcore. Yeah. And if you're a cultured whiskey drinker, yeah, definitely it's neat. And um, and I'm just wondering, I'm just picturing the whiskey bottle beside your laptop, you know, when you're checking your FBL team on a on a Sunday evening and you've got your <laughs> bottle of whiskey there ready to rock. <laughs> but uh, tell it's, us... Uh, I, do, do, do occasionally settle down to match of a day with uh, with a little glass and uh, try try not to fall asleep by the end of it. So. Yeah, um, tell us, Pete. Um, and in this one here, this is the your house is on fire question. And um, I'll clarify one thing: you're allowed to have pretend that your phone is in your pocket. Okay, so okay. Um, so <laughs> your your house is on fire and you can only save one non living item. Um, what are you gonna grab? Uh, my wallet. Because, you know, I mean, my, my, my house is burning down, right? I mean, the first thing I need to consider is when I'm going to sleep that night. So I've got my wallet, at least I can get a hotel room somewhere. And, you know, everything else can be, you know, everything else you're going to need, you, you, know, you can be bought then as well. Uh, what I don't want to do, I, I, I don't want to get out, I don't want to get out to the middle of the, in the middle of the street, see my house burning down, thinking, right, where am I going to sleep tonight? What am I going to do? Where am I going to get food from? And realise what I've picked up is a photograph. Um, so, no, I'm, I'm taking my wallet. Yeah, funny enough to... To know it. Funny enough, yeah, the one just... th- no one thing though that I am um, uh, nobody has ever said their trousers because the last thing I want to be out the door is <laughs> s- standing there in a dodgy pair of jocks and uh, and the whole uh, the whole neighbourhood just crowding around going, are you okay? Don't get yeah, I'm okay, but I'm wearing my SpongeBob jocks. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, John. Um, I have to say, in my scenario, I've got a wallet so I can buy a new pair of trousers. So, yeah, well, this is the thing. So, Pete, you and Nim are the only ones who have said wallet, okay? And obviously, if there was an apocalypse of some sort, you guys are the ones that are going to survive this because the rest of us are all like phone and various other things. And it's like, Ken Rooney your wallet be- is. Ken, yeah. Ken, Ken Rooney would be left with um with I think it was a picture of his mother or his grandmother or something like that. So Ken would be poor, homeless, but he'd be clutching a picture of, of some <laughs> some emotional thing and uh, his SpongeBob. Uh, no, no, I think I think right. I'm unique in that, Kylie. My SpongeBob. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so everyone's getting to know you as well at the moment, Don. That's always important. Yeah, yeah. Okay, tell us, do you have a special skill other than uh, being excellent at data analytics and such? Something unexpected, uh, perhaps? 
I, I was thinking about, I'm not sure I do. I think I'm pretty bang average in most things. <laughs> uh, I can run my time. Uh, not everyone can do that. Um, I'm, oh, I, I don't know. Not, not, I, 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 think, I think I do plenty of things competently. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. I, I, yeah, it, gets, it gets me through, I suppose. But I wouldn't say I've got a, a special skill, like a finishing move on second or anything. But, um, so you're not like, you know, a secret trombone player or, you know, um, anything like this, anything yeah. random? If I'm a secret trombone player, it's a secret even to me at this point. So I mean, <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've never picked up a trombone. I've never picked up a trombone. I've never tried to play trombone, so I might be a natural. I I won't put money on on the fact, but I might be. So I might I may have some secret hidden talent, but um, it's unbeknownst to me at this point. But, like I said, I I I, th- I think I pick a fair few things competently, uh, too well, uh, and that's 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 good enough. I can read quite fast actually. Maybe that's what it is. I'm, I'm, I'm quite fast at reading. It's pretty boring, isn't it? Like, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I can power through a good book. I'm a big reader and a fast reader. I think it's an important skill to have. I, I value that one. I'll give you that. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, th- thank you for trying to make me feel better about it. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so Pete, I think I think I've seen quite a few tweets. You, you you seem to be like a music man, or you love your bands. So what's yeah, uh, yeah. what's your favourite type of music? Uh, this is I, I, honestly, I, I could I could probably talk to you for hours about you know, favourite bands and music. I, I wouldn't say there's a definitive sort of yeah you know, type of music or a particular band who I'd say, but I think generally speaking, it's kind of um, tradition. Yeah. Yeah, guitar-based, quote-unquote rock music, I suppose. I think if you, uh, I guess what I'd say is if you, if you listen to six music, BBC Six Music between four and nine, when Steve Lamack and Mark Riley are on, you're probably going to get a pretty good indication of what I would listen to on a day-to-day basis. So. Brilliant, cool stuff. And um, the last question of of our group, uh, Pete, for you is: tell us one guilty pleasure and one bad habit that you have. Uh, I think the bad habit one's quite easy uh, in that I, uh, I I used to bite my fingernails uh, and then probably about 10 years ago something like that, I just decided one day I was like, I'm not going to do that anymore and I just stopped biting my fingernails so I haven't bit my fingernails since but I haven't been able to stop biting the skin around my fingernails which is really <laughs> irritating me I, I catch myself doing it and think why can't I stop it I don't bite my nails anymore why can't I stop biting my skin and my nails it always makes my yeah, it, 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 it just annoys me that I do it so um, it's it's unhygienic and it's a bit disgusting. So that's probably the bad habit. Um, guilty pleasure is an interesting one. I suppose it's you know guilty to who and you know, who's deciding it's bad. Uh, uh, or, so um, I, I get what I guess what I've got written down here is um, uh, Smarties. I, I love a tube of Smarties. That, well, and, that's, you know, that's I, not I, too bad. That's not I, too bad. <laughs> I can claim this is a guilty pleasure because I'm not 12 years old anymore. But uh, yeah, and yeah, I, I could be going for more mature chocolate, you know, sort of the thinking man's chocolate, or whatever you want to call it. But uh, no, no. I'm back with you. Um, Pete, I am. If I go see jelly babies or any kind of jellies, I just slaughter them. <laughs> so, uh, so I can totally get along with that one. Um, but uh, 
one thing actually Mars came up with a good example of what guilty pleasures are is kind of more you know like trashy TV like um, the uh, X Factor and crap like that that uh, people some people actually they they have a little they know that they shouldn't really like them but they can't help themselves and they get kind of a bit addicted to them but um, have you any kind of similar things to that? I think over probably the last two years um, I ended up I ended up somehow watching Great Great British Bake Off every week uh, for the last few weeks. I couldn't say that's a huge pleasure though because I know it's on at the moment and it hasn't even occurred to me to turn on the TV to watch it. So uh, maybe I've broken that habit, but certainly if you'd asked me this time last year, I'd be saying, "Can we stop talking now?" Because Bake Off's on. So. <laughs> coach actually FBL coach was one that um used to he we had to readjust the timing of our podcast record with him because um, <laughs> he, the, he knew the finale was on and he made sure that it wasn't going to clash so uh you're, you're not alone on that one um there's a support group out there yeah yeah you set up a support group uh maybe maybe a slack channel you know do a do a patreon slack channel Pete for yourself and uh Maybe you can uh, merge merge the FBL and the Bake Off communities together. But it might be a little bit of a market. Set up a Patreon. Who the hell is going to pay me for <laughs> <laughs> To talk about your ingredients or something, Pete. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> don't come at me with questions. You're thinking, man. <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. Uh, <laughs> It's, it's a great idea, Tom. Thanks very much. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Pete, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you. Uh, thanks a million for coming on the show. No, thanks for having me, guys. It's been great. Cheers. And we will make sure that we'll uh, jazz up your book answer to uh, sound really exciting. <laughs> one for each other and all for one. Some three brave amigos are we. Brother to brother and everyone. A brave amigo.